Give them another round of applause. We appreciate long-time singing group. Bless you all. Well, it is good to see you here today. May the Lord bless you richly. I know that He has. We trust that you have just sensed His Spirit. And you that are visiting, we're just excited that you're here also. We hope you feel that warmth and welcome from the people here at Theresa. God bless you, and we love you as well. This is a good day, a special day in the life here at Theresa. We have a young lady who grew up in this church and who's going to be coming in just a second to bring her testimony of how that God has been working in her life. And she is the uh, daughter of Cindy and John Lawrence. I know they're proud of... uh, her name's going to come to me just in a minute. Let me turn the let me let me turn it over. It went it went blank. Sonia, I'm sorry. Sonia Vaughn, we're happy to have you here today. And I apologize for letting uh that's not a senior. That's just that's just a thank you. But would you welcome make Sonia Vaughn welcome. Sonia, if you'd come and share with us today. I know you're excited and been praying for her. Sonia, I just want to have a prayer before you before you speak. Father, in your precious name, we come to you today. Lord, Sonia has a testimony about your work and how you're working in her life through her health and other ways. I pray that you will illuminate her mind, her spirit, and Father, she will have free delivery here at her home church. Thank you for hearing us now. May that message do something for each one of us. In your name we pray today. Amen. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Um, First of all, I'd like to thank Carolyn Fox for encouraging me and inviting me to come and share my testimony here with you all and I'd like to thank you Pastor Larry for giving me the opportunity to come and share my story with everyone. Um, As many of you know I'm Sonia Blanks Vaughn as he said the daughter of Johnny and Cindy Blanks. I grew up just down the road on Kitten Hill and I attended Theresa for the first 45 years of my life. Um, Seven years ago, my family and I began attending Concord Methodist Church here in Roxborough, but um, still come here from time to time and enjoy fellowshipping with everyone here. Um, Looking out over the audience, I see lots of familiar faces and many new ones, Um, but it is an honor to be able to come here and share my testimony in my home church. Growing up in church, I've heard folks share testimonies all my life. Many were life-changing, powerful stories, whether it was drug addictions, alcohol abuse, growing up with abusive parents. um, They had this transforming experience that led them from being not a Christian to accepting Jesus. Um, So when people would ask me sometimes, what is your testimony? I didn't really feel like I had one. Um, I mean, I was raised in church. I attended church here from the time I was an infant attended Sunday school, youth, vacation Bible school. I accepted Christ when I was a teenager and baptized here in the church, but I didn't have this powerful story to share like everyone else that 
that you would hear their stories and it just impacted you in a very powerful way. So what I'm learning is that sometimes God gives us our story or our testimony later in life. Who knew that I'd finally get that story at the ripe old age of 50? Well, this is my attempt to share with you all just how awesome God has been to me. We spend every Easter at the beach with my parents. Last year, Easter came late in the year. It was in April, and we actually were blessed with some sunny days while we were there at the beach. My husband was not able to join us last year. He had to work over the holidays. So while we were sitting out on the beach one day, I'm I'm not much of a selfie like my niece's generation, but uh, I'm not much of a selfie person. But I took a picture of myself sitting on the beach, and I texted it to my husband and said something to the effect of, thank you for working hard so we can play hard. Um, That picture was taken on April the 15th, 2017. When I look back at that picture now, it looks to be a happy, healthy individual. Um, Little did I know just how deceiving that picture would turn out to be. Three days later, when I returned home, I had my yearly um, appointment for a physical. I hadn't really been having any problems, but I had been experiencing some tenderness um, under my left armpit mostly, not, not even in my breast area, just under my armpit. Um, most of the bras that I wore had underwire in them, and that meant the underwire came up to under the armpit, and I just figured maybe I gained a few, 5, 10, 15 pounds, whatever, and my bra just wasn't fitting as, um, as well as it should, so I could come home, take the bra off, the pain went away. So I was laying on the table after my breast exam had already been done, and something just told me to mention this to the doctor. So I told him, and he said, well, let's re-examine you. He examined me from both sides of the table, and it took a lot of poking and prodding and, you know, contorting my body for him to finally find the area that was tender. So when he finally found it, he said, well, that's a good thing that it's painful. Um, Typically, cysts are painful. So... um, You know, I don't really think it's much to be alarmed about, but he said, we do need to investigate it just to be certain. So he gave me a referral for both a mammogram and an ultrasound, and he said, if I were you, I'd just drive right down to Durham Diagnostic and see if they could make you an appointment to work you in, you know, sometime soon. So that's exactly what I did. So now, I think at this point in the story, it's kind of important for me to give you a little background information on myself. I'm a very, very tender-hearted person. I cry reading a Hallmark card. I cry at weddings, births, funerals, dance recitals, school awards, you name it. I'm just a big blubbering mess. Um, Many of you who know me can attest to the fact that I'm like a water fountain and I can pretty much cry on demand. My husband once made the comment here in Sunday school that the only person he knew that cried more than me was Janet Thornburg. So that should give you a point of reference. So I drove straight from the doctor's office to Durham Diagnostic, and I was fortunate enough that they could work me in that day for the test. I vividly remember sitting in the waiting room and saying this prayer. Lord, I really don't want this to be cancer, but if it is, you know that I cannot handle this on my own, and I'm going to need you to take the wheel. I said that prayer just as calmly as I said it right here, 
it was truly almost like I was having an out-of-body experience because I'm even thinking to myself, who is this person? Like, she's not crying. She's not freaking out. She's not, you know, three-way calling people to see what's going on. So sitting in that waiting room, though, this Bible verse kept running through my mind from Deuteronomy 31.8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God had truly shown up immediately to give me a real peace about this situation. I'd heard all my life about the peace that passes all understanding, and I personally think that's a really hard term to grasp until you've felt it. Um, It sounds really good in theory, but until you have felt that peace, um, I truly felt that peace from the very moment the doctor found the lump. So it turned out the mammogram showed that my lump appeared to be a cyst, but the ultrasound disagreed and it appeared to be something else. So the only way to be certain was to schedule a biopsy for the next week. So on my way home, I realized, okay, I probably need to tell somebody at this point. So I called my husband on the way home and I was able to tell him everything that had transpired that morning without getting emotional, no tears, no craziness and again I'm like who is this person Um, the next call was to my mom and I will admit that was a more difficult call than even calling my husband because for the first time we were on an even playing field she wasn't just my mom I was a mom at this point too and as many of you moms know our biggest fear is that something would would be wrong or happen to their child so that was a harder call to make just because even though I was 50 I was still her her kid so um surprisingly I told her just as easily as I did my husband it just came out very matter-of-factly and we're going to handle this and you know we'll move on to the next step So a week later, I was back at Durham Diagnostic, and they were performing the biopsy. And when Dr. Rio Frio was doing the biopsy, she kind of paused a minute and said, oh, she saw a second spot inside um, when she was biopsying that hadn't shown up the week before on the ultrasound or the mammogram. So she was quick to go ahead and biopsy that spot as well. So then that's when the waiting began. My biopsy was on a Wednesday. And truly, the days that followed were the absolute longest days of my life. Um, I'm sure many of you have waited on test results, and the waiting is absolutely the worst. The first two days, I was very positive. You know, I was continuing that, you know, we've got this, it's really going to be nothing, this is just a waste of some time and, and test. But then something happened on that Saturday. Something transitioned, and my gut just started telling me this wasn't going to be as the news I had hoped for. I wasn't trying to be pessimistic, but I truly believe that God was just preparing me for what was to come. Waiting stinks also because while you're in that limbo phase, it's hard to make a plan. When you know what you're dealing with, you can have a plan, know what's going to come next, and you can attack that plan, but that limbo period is truly the worst. So on Monday, May the 1st, the radiologist called me to tell me that my pathology had come back and that it was positive for stage 2 invasive ductal carcinoma. The original pathology appeared to show that it invaded the the vascular area, and the mass appeared to be about 2.4 centimeters large. 
I was able to get an appointment that very week. This was on Monday. I was able to get an appointment on Friday to consult with a surgeon. Think that's a coincidence? Um, anyway, it was decided that a lumpectomy would be my best course of action. I was scheduled for the lumpectomy on May 25th. They removed my sentinel lymph node because tests had showed the cancer had spread there. When the pathology came back that time, it showed they were not able to get clear margins on all four sides. Um, it seemed that my tumor was shaped like a sea urchin and had these tentacles that were reaching over all four sides, and one side of it, they didn't quite get clear margins. So we went back in on June 8th, had the second surgery, and praise God, we were able to get clear margins at that time. The worst thing about cancer is that it doesn't just affect the person diagnosed with cancer. It has a ripple effect and truly affects every member of your family and every member of your circle. So here's the part in the story where I probably need to give you who don't know us very well fair warning. We have a pretty warped sense of humor in our family. Um, my f now 15-year-old son, Hunter, called me Cancer Sonia after my first surgery. After the second one, he gave me the title of Cancer Sonia 2.0, the new and improved version. He's pretty much into technology, so you can see the analogy there. I had joked that cancer had no idea what it was in for, picking on this redneck girl from Kitten Heel, and I may or may not have told my brother on Mother's Day, Father's Day, um, that I wasn't going to be able to help him peel those five pounds of shrimp because my doctor had said I couldn't touch raw seafood because I had cancer. It really wasn't the truth, but it got me out of peeling the shrimp. Um, <laughs> so a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do. I don't get much sympathy from my family, so when, when you have an opportunity, you better ride it. Um, one night, my parents were at the house, and I was drinking some tea, and I got strangled on the tea, and it took me forever to recover. And that night, my son again said, Mama, I don't think you got to worry about dying from breast cancer. You're going to get killed off of that tea. So we all just erupted in laughter, and that's just sort of how we chose to deal with it. I mean, we had two choices. We could laugh about it or we could cry about it, and laughter really worked better at our house. It didn't mean we didn't take this cancer seriously. We did. But, you know, there comes a point where you just have to make the best of it, too. Um, and because of the way we chose to address this cancer, Proverbs 31.25 says, She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she can laugh at the days to come. And I think we truly learned to laugh at this cancer. Um, the next steps were to consult with the radiation and medical oncologist. Originally, they thought I'd just need the surgery to remove the cancer and then um, some radiation. But once the pathology showed the lymph nodes were involved, that bought me a ticket to chemo. My first chemo regimen was called FEC, and it was given once every three weeks. That went by. I mean, I didn't have any reactions to the, the chemo. There were some yucky days in the middle, but it, it all went well. The second regimen was supposed to be the easier one on my body. Um, I was to have that every, two week, uh, every week and have eight treatments of that. But after only two doses, I encountered some breathing issues with that particular chemo and some allergic reactions, so they had to switch me to another drug called abraxane. 
I was scheduled for a total of 12 chemo treatments, which took me from June to November to complete. I got a few weeks break there between um, Thanksgiving and the 1st of December, and then I was starting my radiation. I was scheduled for a total of 31 radiation treatments. Um, I wrapped those treatments up on January the 23rd of this year. Praise God. There were some tough days during chemo, but all in all, I was extremely blessed. I never, I was nauseous a lot of days. I didn't feel good a lot of days, but I was never, ever sick. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, Chemo was truly harder on my body, but for me, radiation was a lot worse mentally. To know that for 31 days, you're attached to Duke Hospital, you can't make any plans, anything else, you are going to be there for 31 days in a row. Um, The day the doctor gave me that information, my mom said, she doesn't get a break for those 31 days? And the doctor said, weekends. So so it didn't matter if it was holidays. I did get a few holidays, New Year's and Christmas. I got those days off. But then the next day we were right back at it because um, they don't like for you to miss more than like two days between your um, radiation treatments. So um, for me, the last two weeks were the worst. By that time, I was physically, emotionally, and mentally spent. Um, For the first time, I would get up in the morning and think, I I just don't want to go. It wasn't that it was hard. It was the getting up and the getting over there that was the hard part. Um, Aside from about with the flu and pneumonitis after my treatment, life has been really good since. My hair has come back, although it's quite a bit lighter than I remembered. Um, My energy levels seem to be almost normal. My tastes have returned. What a difference a year makes. This all started on April the 18th of 2017, so almost 16 months later, I am thankful and blessed to be able to stand here and claim that God has healed me. Um, After my diagnosis, I started a blog. It was mostly for selfish reasons, because I thought, I can't answer. A hundred texts, calls, emails, I just can't rehash this every single day. So it was really selfish reasons that I started the blog. And then I also wanted to be able to document the highs and lows of this adventure. Um, I wanted to be able to look back and see the ways that God had blessed me, even in the middle of the storm. And it turns out the blog became quite therapeutic for me as well. As I mentioned earlier, I felt the presence of God with me from that very first day. I can't totally explain the feeling, but I can tell you that I felt it. I was able to talk about this cancer with family and friends and not lose it. And again, I'm thinking, who is this person? There were so many things that happened along this path that can only be explained by God's divine intervention. Let's go all the way back to the day the lump was found. When I was on my way home from the doctor that day, I stopped at the Twins Meat Market to pick up a few things. While I was there, I ran into Wanda Robertson, who was just coming back from a follow-up appointment with her surgeon. I was checking on her, and she was doing well, and she was raving about her surgeon. So just casually, I was like, who was that surgeon? I thought, I hope I don't need this information, but let me just store it in my brain just in case this doesn't turn out the way we hope. Um, So then that name came up to me that day. Several um, of my mom's friends also had recently, within a month or so, had some uh, breast cancer, and they had surgeries that 
surgeon's name continued to come up. Then the day I went for my biopsy, the nurse that was doing it, she said, I hate to do this to you, but before we do the biopsy, if this turns out to not be what we hope, do you have any doctors in mind that you want to see, any surgeons? And I said, no, I'm assuming my OB will help me make a choice. And I asked her if she had any recommendations. She said, well, there's typically two doctors we send people to. That surgeon's name came up again. Now, I'm not trying to say that my surgeon was the best surgeon. Many of you have had surgery with lots of great doctors, but what I am saying is it was clear to me that God was putting this doctor in my path to let me know that for me, that was going to be the the road I needed to take. So there was no doubt as to who I was going to be contacting for my surgeon. There again, God was showing up and showing off. On the morning of my first surgery, May the 25th, I had to go to Duke Regional to have some pre-op stuff done there. And then on the short ride from Duke Regional to Davis Ambulatory Center, I received an email. I had long been subscribed to Rick Warren's daily devotionals that come in my inbox. And on the morning of May the 25th, my email from Rick was titled, Trusting God is Good for Your Health. Was that a coincidence? I don't think so. That devotion, I made a copy to read you. It said, I said to myself, relax because the Lord takes care of you. Psalm 116.7. God has given you the gift of your body and it comes with an owner's manual, the Bible. In it are all the instructions you need to take care of yourself and live a long life. You already know the basics, proper nutrition, exercise, a good night's rest, Today I want to look at the first of four health factors you may not have thought for living long and well. Trusting God is good for your health. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. Why is trusting in God good for your health? Because when you trust him, you don't worry. Psalm 116, 7 says, I said to myself, relax because the Lord is going to take care of you. If you really trust in God, you're going to be less stressed. The Bible says in Proverbs 14.30, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. It's not just what you eat that matters, it's what eats you. You can have all the right macrobiotics and organic food, but if your body is filled with resentment, worry, fear, lust, guilt, anger, bitterness, or any other emotional disease, it's going to shorten your life. You have a choice. You can either worry or worship. You can either pray or panic. The more you pray, the less you'll panic. Relax because God will take care of you. So in that short ride from Durham Regional to Davis Ambulatory Center, there again, God sent me that email to say, I got this. You know, you just need to do your part and show up, but it's going to be okay. Could he have spoken to me any louder? Um, I don't think so. So last year, we spent a week at the beach before my chemo started. This is one of my favorite stories to tell about how God shows up, just because it involved a typical day in the life of a parent and a 15-year-old. We got up early that Saturday morning. We all took showers, and we drove to the beach. We had no sooner got there and unpacked than I walked past Hunter's room, and he was changing clothes. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 
we are on vacation. I am not wanting to be doing laundry all week. Well, he said, Mom, I just wanted to change my shirt. And a friend had had some T-shirts printed up that said, Team Sonia, friends don't let friends fight cancer alone. So you can imagine how small I felt when I realized the shirt he was trying to put on was his Team Sonia shirt. So I quickly backed off and said, okay, how can you argue with that? So we went on about our business, going to the grocery store, doing things. That evening when we came back to the condo and we were getting on the elevator, there was a young girl standing in front of us. She saw us and turned around and said, there sure is a lot of pink in this elevator. To which I looked at her and she had on some pink shorts. Hunter had on a pink shirt and she said, I'm a breast cancer survivor. And immediately I was like, oh my goodness, I was just diagnosed with breast cancer. So we hugged in the elevator, we exchanged stories quickly, and lo and behold, we shared the same oncologist, very similar diagnosis. It was just crazy that had my son not had that pink shirt on, she probably would have never noticed us. It would have been a, hey, how are you kind of thing. That whole interaction wouldn't have taken place. And she turned out to be one of my best references for my entire my entire um, treatment plan and everything. She was my go-to person because she had just come out of it. And she, she answered all of my questions. I know she got tired of me texting, but Miranda became a wonderful friend. Uh, she was about six months out from her treatment and just had a wealth of knowledge to share with me. So how much of a coincidence is it that the first two people that I met at our condo at the beach, other than the management people, was Miranda, who was a breast cancer survivor, and a lady named Diane, who was a 70-year-old two-time breast cancer survivor. I had spent many nights on her porch at the beach sitting and talking about her experiences and her encouraging me. Um, how awesome that he led me directly to two fellow breast cancer warriors at my home away from home. I love that I had a network both at home and away. Last year, shortly after my um, surgery, my husband was diagnosed with a herniated disc and was in a lot of pain and out of work for several months. It's never fun to have two sick people in the house at the same time, but God really was looking after us. We joked that fortunately we didn't seem to have bad days on the same day, so he was there to take me to doctor's appointments and things, and then I was also at home to be able to shuttle him back and forth. Um, we joked that it was a shame that we didn't feel good enough to go and do anything fun, but needless to say, there again, that was God looking after both of us, providing an extra caregiver when I didn't know I would need them. After being diagnosed with cancer, I have seen and felt the amazing love of God more than I ever had in my life. I've had folks to love on me and my family in ways that I could never imagine. So let's talk a little bit about community. God created us for community, and he said that for us to be alone is not a good thing. He wants us to be one with him and one with each other. And just I just want to say that I felt the love and support of this community through the entire ordeal, from the church family here, the community at large, my church family at Concord. Um, I just witnessed folks truly being the hands and feet of Jesus. It's often said that you can't do it alone, no matter what it is. 
You need God and you need others. I counted a blessing that I never went to a single chemo treatment alone. I had so many folks volunteer to take me and sit with me. Having friends to drive and accompany me definitely made the time go by so much faster, and it was a true blessing. Cheryl Clayton reached out to me early on to say, hey, I want to I take you. I'm retired. I've got plenty of time. And a couple of, my first treatments were three weeks apart, so I wasn't having to go that often. And she reached out to me again, and she said, are you going to let me take you to your treatment? And I said, I got you on the calendar. I got you on there. So just I never had to ask. People just came to me and said, I'm going to take you. What day do you go? I'm going to take you on this day. Friends took vacation days from their jobs to take me to treatment. I mean, who does that? So there's so many examples that I can give you of God showing up over the past year, and I can only give him praise and glory for walking me through this valley. Never once did I feel he had left my side, and never for one day did I worry about this cancer. I mean, what could I do about it? Once they told me I had it, it was totally out of my control. Worrying about it was not going to change a thing. The best thing I could do was leave the worrying to God and let him work out all the kinks. Several times when I was in a restaurant during my chemo days, you know, those obvious ones when you have the turban or the bandana on your head, so I was easy to pick out. I had complete strangers walk up to me and ask me for my check. They would say something to the effect of, please let me bless you today. I want to pay for your your meal. I would lose it in the middle of the restaurant every single time. Pure strangers, but truly angels in disguise. On my last day of chemo, we had a little celebration in the infusion room. We rang bells, took pictures. It was a great day. And if you've ever been in the Duke Cancer Center, you know that there's a grand piano downstairs in the atrium. And when someone is playing it, the music just filters all the way up through the cancer center. My friend Paula and I were walking out of the cancer center, and there was someone downstairs playing the piano. And as we walked past the atrium, I stopped and said, listen to that. How awesome is it that he is playing Hallelujah Christmas as I walked out celebrating my last chemo treatment? See, it was like God was putting his arm around me saying, we have got this. I've gotten you this far. I'll see you through it. And there's several verses to that song, but this one in particular just stood out to me. I know you came to rescue me. A baby boy would grow to be a man and one day die for me and you. My sins would drive the nails in you. That rugged cross was my cross too. Still every breath you drew was hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So it was just a fitting moment for us to stand there and celebrate um, what I had just finished, push that hard part behind me and on to the next battle. So you remember earlier when I said that I spent the first 40-ish years of my life here in this church. Um, Let me expand on that story just a little bit because I think it's important for you to see how hard and long God had been working in the background. Leaving a church you've attended your entire life is not easy. It was just a feeling that I had that I was nudged that I just needed to do something different. My husband didn't necessarily feel it. My son was too young to really know, and it was all me. But it was not a popular decision. Literally everyone else in my family attends church here, so you can imagine that was, we, it wasn't real popular, was it, BJ? 
<laughs> but we made a decision that we felt was best for our family. So while we were attending Concord, um, our pastor shared with us about a ministry that they wanted to grow at our church, and it's called Stephen Ministry. Stephen Ministry is a completely confidential Christian caregiving ministry, and when he described that ministry in his sermon that day, you know those times when your heart is beating out of your chest and you just know that God is talking to you? Well, that happened to me that day, and I thought, this is it. This is a way that I can serve. So I knew for certain this was something that I wanted to do. We went through a rigorous six-month training period, and basically you learn how to help handhold people's hands when they are walking through difficult times, whether it's death, loss of a job, financial issues, uh, divorce, you name it, um, just to be able to help people. We don't, we're not the caregivers, we are the caregivers, is the slogan for Stephen Ministry. God does all the healing and the curing. We're just there to walk with them through it. So we were commissioned in our church as Stephen leaders on Sunday, May the 14th. On Monday, May the 15th, my husband's brother Richard died from a massive stroke. While I thought I was gaining Stephen ministry training to help others, it turned out God was just preparing us and my family for what I was going to need to help my husband and my family through grieve the loss of his brother and best friend. That was definitely not a coincidence. I laughed with Pastor Carl to say, look, I really didn't want to get like thrown into my training within 24 hours after being commissioned, but you know, God's timing is, is not always the same as ours. So that Stephen ministry training prepared us for so many different things, whether it was illness, death, uh, issues with children, whatever. It was such good training that you're able to to parallel that training to any situation you may be going through. So for me, it turned out it was also good for me to know how to deal with myself, my own family, our feelings as we were going through this cancer diagnosis. So then again, in March of 2016, I attended the Walk to Emmaus. The Walk to Emmaus is a 72-hour spiritual retreat. It's a three-day experience or spiritual, of spiritual renewal. There's no phones, no watches, no clocks. You're completely disconnected from the outside world. My experience at the Walk to Emmaus was definitely a mountaintop experience for me. It ranked right up there with my marriage and the birth of my child. I made some lifelong friends over those 72 hours, and my relationship with the Lord was strengthened beyond measure. The objective of the Walk to Emmaus is to inspire, challenge, and equip the local church members for Christian action in their homes, churches, communities, and places of work. Emmaus lifts up a way for our grace-filled lives to be lived and shared with others. So you see, back in 2011, when I was feeling the nudge to change churches, that was God preparing me, even then, for the chaos that I was going to encounter in 2017. Because I am confident without the training and experiences of the Walk to Emmaus and Stephen ministry that my faith would not have been where it needed to be to get me through the past year. And as a side note, if you've never heard of Stephen Ministry or the Walk to Emmaus and are interested in hearing more, check with me later. I'd love to tell you more. 
there's so many instances as I looked back over my blog for examples of how God showed up during this whole thing. There was one Friday when I went to chemo and I had a friend drop go with me and drop me off there and then Cece and Hunter were going to pick me up and we were going to head to the beach. Well everything that could go wrong went wrong at chemo that day. We were very late. They were you know out there waiting. Everyone's ready to get on the road. Cece's sister and brother-in-law live in Holly Springs and there was a awful awful summer storm that night. We had so much rain and hail, it uh, totaled all of their vehicles in Holly Springs. And that's the way we typically go um, to the beach. So even though we were all antsy and, and upset that we didn't get to the beach on, as soon as we'd like, the truth of the matter is God was delaying us for, to miss out on that storm. So that was truly a blessing. One day, a friend came by the house and brought me some soup and a couple of other things. And she gave me a bunch of parking tickets for the hospital. And I remember telling my mom the next day, I said, I feel so bad that she spent money on these parking tickets. Because when you go for chemo or radiation, they um, give you a voucher so you don't have to pay for your parking. This was on a Tuesday. My next chemo treatment was the next day on Wednesday. I had stuck those tickets in my purse because I said, you know what, there may be somebody who... um, who needs money to pay for their parking, and I'll just bless them. So the next day, I didn't get chemo. My blood work was fine, but my breathing was not good. So they did not allow me to take chemo, which meant I didn't get a voucher, which meant I needed those prepaid parking tickets to get out of the deck that day. It's just... um, So, so many things, and I know I have probably spoken too long, but there's one quick thing that I do want to share um, about joy bombs. I had written about that in my blog, and a good friend sent me a note one day and said, I am, you look great today. Do you have any trips to Duke this week? I'm praying for you to have a wonderful week with many joy bombs coming your way. I learned that word in a recent Bible study. It's when you just look up and say, thank you, Lord. I know you did that. So that was on a a Sunday. The next next day on Monday, I had a friend call and offer to take me to shop for my cranial prosthesis or my wig. I just like using the term cranial prosthesis. Um, So today... That day, not feeling the worst and not feeling the best, it was off to a slow start. But after that, she dropped me off by the pharmacy to pick up some medicine. And literally standing in the line at the counter waiting on my meds, I got another text on my phone that said, thinking about you and sending you good vibes and prayers for strength today. I just heard mercy me's even if, and you popped in my head. And I said, you are so sweet. I love getting joy bombs like this. And she said, it's funny how the Holy Spirit just lays someone right on your heart out of the clear blue sky. I hope your day is just perfect. Literally an hour later, I saw a sweet friend who came by my office and spent some time catching up with me and gave me a sweet card and a few gifts. That was joy bomb number three for one day. Literally, all those things occurred out of the blue unexpectedly and was a wonderful blessing from both the Lord and the giver. Later that night, I was checking Instagram 
to see if my son may have posted some pictures while he was at camp. Well, I didn't find any pictures, but I did find a message sent to me from another friend that I had not seen since right out of high school. But she had heard about my sickness, and she said, Hey, Sonia, I'm checking on you to see how you're doing and feeling. You're in my prayers. Are y'all hearing this? Like, this happened within two days. I've had all these joy bombs, and it's not even Tuesday yet. So my friend prayed for this. And God answered in ways unexpected and imagined. Many have been praying for me and my family, and he has definitely been hearing and answering those prayers. So clearly, people would say, Sonia, how have you done this? How have you been so optimistic? I didn't really know any other way to be. But I didn't do anything. I wasn't being anything. God definitely took my hand that very first day, and he has not let it go. Um, I had said that I hoped my blog, it it was therapeutic for me, but it turns out, as crazy as it is, it's been shared in places all over the world. Um, That's the beauty of social media. Uh, Folks in India, China, the UK, it's crazy to see, and I wonder, what, what could these people possibly get out of reading from someone from Little Old Roxborough? But uh, it has definitely been a blessing for me, and it's been great to look back over, especially some of the days you you always thought you wouldn't forget, but to look back and see the, remember some of the bad stuff that a year later has completely evaded my brain. But I hope that you all were able to see just some of the instances and ways that God has truly showed up. I think he shows up in our lives every day. It's just we're usually so busy living that we refuse to see it as the blessing that it is. Uh, The last year has taught me so much. Um, Am I thankful for cancer? Absolutely not. But am I thankful for what cancer has taught me? Absolutely. Um, And cancer has definitely given more than it's taken from me. So I thank you all for your support over the past years, for your prayers, your food, your cards, whatever acts of service that you have done for my family and I. It was very much appreciated. And if I could do anything to encourage anyone, I know so many times we all say, well, I would do this, but, well, I would do that, but it wouldn't make a difference. If someone's laid on your heart today, if you just think, well, oh, so-and-so's having surgery tomorrow, That's God nudging you to reach out to them. I can't tell you how many times I woke up in the morning and I had a Bible verse already on my phone sent to me by a friend when I had crossed their mind. Don't ever think that that one card can't make a difference or that phone call or that visit or that meal because whatever God has given you to do, Do it to the best of your ability, and don't ever think that I am just one person and what I do can't make a difference because I can promise you all of those little things over the past year have made a huge difference in my life. And thank you all for giving me the opportunity to come and share my story with you.